0: All right, welcome everyone to the Ben and Corey podcast. I'm Corey Novotny. And I'm Benjamin Carlson. This is now the fourth episode Ben and I have done together with each of the past three available on both SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. That's right, Corey. We're happy to welcome back
1: all of our veteran listeners and welcome for the first time any of our new listeners. We hope you like this one enough to go back
0: and check out our previous episodes and continue to listen to future ones. This episode will be unlike the past three in that we're mostly going to focus on one main topic, and that is the NBA playoffs. But don't worry if you're not a huge basketball fan,
1: because we'll have a couple other segments, which of course include another edition of the Top 5. So with that, let's get started. The NBA regular season has come to a conclusion, and the playoffs are set to start this weekend. Will we see a Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers NBA Finals matchup for the fourth straight season? The Philadelphia 76ers are hot entering the playoffs, but will their youth and lack of playoff experience hold them back? And can James Harden, Chris Paul, and the Houston Rockets escape the ghosts of postseasons past and utilize their home court advantage to bring home the title? Corey and I will answer all these questions and more in our NBA Playoffs Preview.
0: We'll also bring you plenty of predictions, including who will win all eight first-round matchups, and who will ultimately hoist the Larry O'Brown Trophy as the 2018 NBA champions. In addition to all the ba- basketball talk, we introduce a fun news segment this week that is simply called Fun Facts. And in honor of Patriots Day, Ben and I debate the best moments of the American Revolution in today's Top 5.
1: get the ball rolling here and start by talking about uh, the houston rockets and the toronto raptors and their struggles in the uh the playoffs in the postseason
0: yeah so the rockets enter the playoffs as the number one seed in the western conference 65 regular season wins the most in team history and the first time they're the number one seed in the east the toronto raptors enter the playoffs as the number one seed with a team record 59 wins now these are two teams coming off uh, record-breaking regular seasons for themselves and they are certainly two of the hotter teams entering the finals but they have had their fair share of postseason struggles in recent years so there's plenty a lot of question in terms of can they finally get things together uh, for 16 victories or is it going to be like the past two years and early disappointing exits?
1: Well, here's the problem with looking at postseason success, right? Is because all of the teams lose except for one. Like playoffs, like, playoffs are meant to churn out losers and only one winner. So, while Yes, it's disappointing to look at their uh, the, both of these teams' uh, postseason records. The uh, the Raptors were in the conference finals just two years ago. So, I mean, that's, again, that's not the finals. And, uh, I mean, the l- last two years they've been knocked out by the Cavs. So, obviously you'd want better than that. But I, I don't, I think they just have to turn the corner to take that next step forward to not look like they're always losing in the in the postseason, to be that team that they're trying to be. Um, and that's specifically just the, the Toronto Raptors, which, I don't know, it, it's tough because, they, you know, like I said, everybody it, it always turns out that these people are going to be, these teams lose because they're going up against LeBron. Uh, and I think that that's the difference this year with LeBron as the four seed. And uh, I, I read that the four seed has only ever won the finals once. Um I think that goes back to 1995 and it was the the Houston Rockets actually um they're the only team t- that have won the finals being the fourth seed or lower. So, I think that that may be the difference here in LeBron's fourth seed Cavs ha- are pretty unlikely to make it to the finals. So, uh, I think that that may be the difference for these two teams.
0: Yeah, in in terms of Toronto Uh, They did make it to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2016. Uh, They did take Cleveland to six games. I think when you look at the past four years, that year was more of an outlier uh, in the sense that 2014, they were the three seed and they lost in the first round in seven games to the Brooklyn Nets. 2015, they were four seed. They got swept by the Washington Wizards. Wasn't really all that close. They lost game four by more than 30 points. And last year lost to the Cavs again in the second round they were swept uh, so in, to me a good point you mentioned is Cleveland comes in as a four seed, Toronto's a 1 seed they have home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs but having home court advantage hasn't always led to success for them uh, and in recent years it has been the running into LeBron as the issue but They're a talented team. DeMar DeRozan, 23 points per game this year. Jonas Valanciunas, he had uh, 12 points per game, 8 rebounds, and 22.5 player efficiency rating. He was the the most efficient player by that metric on their team. Kyle Lowry, of course, is a, a solid point guard. Overall, Toronto has a very talented team. Last year, they made a couple trade deadline acquisitions. This year, they didn't, but they still finished with the best record in the Eastern Conference. So I know a lot of people are very anti-Toronto just based on, oh, they they struggle in the playoffs every year. I think that this could be a year for the Raptors, and I also think this could very easily be a, a year where the Rockets, in particular James Harden and Chris Paul, finally get it together in the playoffs because those two have not had a whole lot of success in recent years yes i agree well
1: i want i want to uh let's talk about being high, highly seated in the postseason because the way basketball works it's home game home game away away home away home if you if you go to seven games do you feel like that as is as much of an advantage as like as does home field advantage in the nba playoffs carry as much weight as it might in say the nfl postseason where you only play one game and The home team is the only team that ever has home
0: field advantage? So, I think when you look at the NBA playoffs, there's a lot more statistics that jump out than home team having whoever has a home court advantage over a full series. Uh, I know I don't have the statistic off the top of my head. I know home teams have historically been better in game sevens than away teams. But a lot of the statistics when it comes to NBA playoff success in a series is all about jumping out to early leads, 1-0, 2-0, 3-1, teams that are able to command those early series leads, whether they're home or away, which being at home the first two games, it is a little more likely that you would win just based on the, the historical perspective of playing in front of your home fans and not playing in a hostile road environment, but Comparatively, uh, I think in recent years, the NFL playoffs, home teams have had much more success than uh, when you just look back at when there were more upsets seemingly every year in the playoffs. Whereas in recent years in the NBA, you're constantly seeing the same few teams, the one, the two seeds make it to the finals. So I think there is a lot to be said about having home court and being able to have those four home games versus three but when you lose it right away if it's one to one then you need to go and seal a win on the other team's home court so it's uh it really comes down to being able to defend your own home court early in the series to really have that home court advantage mean something
1: right right that psychology definitely kicks in when it's when you're up two nil and you then you play your first away game as opposed to the other way around so um so yeah as if i had to pick just Forget the opponents, just look at both of these teams on paper as the one seeds. I like the Rockets more than I like the Raptors. And maybe that's a little bit of that bias of the Raptors not performing very well in the postseason. Uh, I mean, and the Rockets don't exactly have an exemplary record in the postseason, but I really like what's been going on with those uh, those two boys down there in Houston. And uh, I, I, I'm excited to see what they do, uh, especially with that number one seed.
0: Yeah, I, I love the Rockets entering the playoffs this year. The whole season I've been saying they're not going to win. They have had too many playoff struggles. James Harden had an MVP season. He choked or he he either choked or he quit in the playoffs last year. One or the other. Game 6 against the San Antonio Spurs, down 3 to 2 at home, 10 points on 2 of 11 shooting, 6 turnovers. Six fouls, Rockets lost 114 to 75. And I think that game really summed up James Harden's postseason career and really the way that he's looked at. Whereas Chris Paul is arguably the best player, or at least the best point guard in NBA history, to have never made a conference finals. He's made the playoffs nine times in his career, and he has only advanced to the second round four times and has never made it to the Western Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. But when you just look at their success this season, you throw out all the historical data, the Rockets were the best team in the league. Their big tandem of James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella, in games that they all played together, went 40-3. and So to me, when the Rockets are healthy, and they have all their guys on the court, it's difficult for anyone to beat them
1: i like it i think it's going to mix things up in the western conference uh but we'll get to that in a little more detail moving forward so let's talk about the celtics sans kyrie irving uh for me this one's pretty cut and dry their playoff hopes are shot and without uh uncle drew out there i don't see them making it very far
0: yeah, as a Celtics fan, it definitely hurt getting that notification a couple weeks ago saying that Kyrie Irving, who was expected to be back at some point in the playoffs, will not be back at all. Um, dealing with what the, was it a knee injury? So anything specific? Or are they trying to keep it, it low key? So he got hurt. They didn't think it was that bad of an injury. Um, I don't know if he needs arthroscopic surgery. Uh, I didn't really look too much into the outcome of what happened with his injury. I just know that it was a you know a bad enough knee injury that it's going to keep him sidelined till the end of the season, and that's you know two more months and into the off season. So definitely a huge blow, uh, especially considering that the Celtics are already without Marcus Smart, who has been a defensive. Uh, phenom over the past couple of years and he'll likely or they're hoping that he'll be back uh, by the end of this month but it's very likely that he won't be able to play in their first round series against the Milwaukee Bucks and it definitely is not the ideal situation for a Celtics team who has a lot of young talent but then again it's young players who are inexperienced so, I don't necessarily believe in their chances without Kyrie Irving. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel
1: like they're dead in the water. As much as I was excited to see the, you know, a, a new look East, potentially having the Celtics at the top over LeBron. I mean, we we saw some exciting series between the Celtics and the Cavs this season, and without Kyrie, I just. I don't think they're the same, especially with how young the rest of the team is. And while we're talking about a young team, let's turn to the Philadelphia 76ers who just finished the regular season on the longest winning streak ever to finish a season. Not longest winning streak ever, but the longest winning streak to uh, finish out a season. Uh, The the Philadelphia Sixers are red hot.
0: Yep. 16 straight wins. They are playing like... As, as good as anybody in the league right now. Ben Simmons is he's the clear-cut rookie of the year this year. Uh, I know some people try to say that he's not deserving of it because he was technically on their roster last season, but he didn't play at all. And th- they have been a great story, uh, just knowing that you know, it was like three, four years ago there are all the talks about trust the process, you know, we're going to be bad, really bad for a while, but it's going to work out. And after a few seasons of tanking, for them to not just become a, a respectable team, not just become a playoff team, but become a 50-win team that a lot of people are saying are the favorites to make it out of the Eastern Conference and advance to the NBA Finals, uh, it's it's definitely an eye-opening thing and not something that a lot of people expected entering the season outside of Philadelphia and even then they probably didn't given the lack of success the past few seasons. It's definitely
1: a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. Uh, I I think well okay t- tell me more about your opinion on uh Markel Foltz. He just had his first triple-double of his career after spending was it the entire, almost the entirety of the season, uh, out with injury? I'm not sure if he, if this was his first game. Yeah, he he was he was out most game.
0: of the season. Uh, number one overall pick. I wanted the Celtics to get him when they won the lottery. I was excited about potentially bringing in faults. He goes to Philly, and like almost every other top three Philadelphia 76er draft pick, he missed most, if not all, of his entire rookie season. Uh, so. He, he's definitely a question mark, but like you said, he, he dropped a triple-double. He's someone who uh, has the talent. There's a reason why he was the number one overall pick. There's a reason why the 76ers traded up to get him. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does, especially considering that Joel Embiid has been dealing with injuries. The, the star center for the Sixers. Orbital bone fracture. He's been out since March 28th. So supposedly... Uh, well, not supposedly. Embiid himself said he's unlikely to be able to play in Game 1. Does that mean he'll be good to go Game 2, Game 3, and all in the first round? When are they going to get him back? The fact that they're just saying Game 1 makes me think it'll be sooner rather than later. Um, but they've they've won without him. So I don't necessarily think that they need to rush Embiid back to have long playoff success. But I, I definitely like the young nucleus in philadelphia
1: yes no and especially with the way that ben simmons has taken the helm for uh philadelphia especially in the absence of Embiid, the way that ben simmons has led the charge on this winning streak tell me uh okay so so have you seen his small rivalry with donovan mitchell (laughs) i guess it would be a little bit more
0: than small but uh regarding rookie of the year yes yes um so I think it was, what, last night, two nights ago, when Donovan Mitchell uh, walked into the game wearing a sweatshirt that said rookie, and it had the definition of a rookie on it. So there's this kind of this feud. Basically, Ben Simmons was asked if he deserved rookie of the year and if there were any other rookies that caught his attention, and his response to that was none. So uh, Ben Simmons is... Uh, kind of sparked donovan mitchell of the utah jazz who is seemingly the the favorite to finish second in rookie of the year voting could very easily be the rookie of the year um if simmons wasn't hurt all of last season but
1: well, well donovan mitchell had he, he shattered the rookie three-point record uh previously set by damian lillard um, I, I wouldn't say shattered it, but he broke he, he did. He previous, broke it. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, uh, and and so the, he, the uh, yeah, I, I would say that he has a case, but I, I loved his response because Ben Simmons disrespected Donovan Mitchell with his words in a postgame interview. Donovan Mitchell disrespected Ben right back. Silently, It was with yep. his – he actually he's – he's worn two different hoodies or sweatshirts that had the definition of a rookie on it, and, uh, which <laughs> I was definitely uh, a fan of. Although I saw another uh, – at the Trailblazers game last night, I believe it was, yep. there was a, there's a Portland fan in the crowd. He had a sign that said, rookie, noun. A novice MDA player about to learn the meaning of hashtag Lillard time the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so, like all memes, this one spiraled yep. out of uh, spiraled out of control and now includes Damian Lillard. So, I think Ben Simmons definitely makes, while he, he may have included a little bit of arrogance, he definitely makes a solid case of Rookie of the Year. Uh, and despite the, you know, weird situation with his, the amount of years he's been in the league, I think i guess we're defining a rookie as someone who it's the first year that they're playing games not their first year technically on the team
0: Mhm. yeah is that was the case with blake griffin um back in 2010 after being drafted in 2009 and missing the entire season but uh, so
1: but did there, he, there's a precedent the he
0: did win rookie of the year yeah so there's a precedent okay so it this. definitely is a precedent oh All yes right. yeah no it's it's definitely a thing um But I guess so. just back focusing on the 76ers and their playoff chances. Uh, So they are a young, relatively inexperienced team. They do have J.J. Redick, who they were able to bring in this offseason, one-year, $23 million deal. He has had his fair share of playoff experience with the Orlando Magic and the Los Angeles Clippers in the past decade. Um, But outside of him, the Sixers... They have not made it to the playoffs. They have not had the same kind of experiences that Toronto has had with their playoff failures or Boston has had in regards to losing to LeBron James. So it'll be kind of interesting if, you know, you can say that the Sixers don't have the experience, but that could potentially be a good thing because they don't have that hanging over their heads that we can't beat this guy. They just beat him and the Cavaliers, uh, this past weekend, 132 yep. to 130 a game. They almost blew a huge lead. So can't necessarily be too comfortable about it, but they, they have, they, they were able to beat the Cavs a couple times this season. So I, I definitely think that the Sixers are, are more than capable of, uh, pulling off a, a deep run and and winning the east
1: yeah no and and yeah i look at is maybe they haven't developed those bad habits of making it to the playoffs and getting knocked out early so we'll see it yeah. they're definitely one of the more interesting teams to look at i do remember seeing some twitter memes of lebron tr- saying like trust the process while they were getting wrecked <laughs> and yeah. you know photoshopped image of lebron in a sixers jersey uh, lebron's eventual potential uh, destination, his future team, that's a whole another conversation in itself, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to get into right now, but what I do want to get into is talking about the Cavs Warriors and the uh, potential for another, a four, the fourth consecutive year of the same uh, <laughs> god dang matchup. So, uh, I, well, what do you think? I mean, the Cavs are the number four seed coming in, so, uh, and we, we've talked about how rare it is for them to win the finals, so uh what do you think are you gonna see this matchup
0: again you know despite being a four seed they still have lebron james they have had success in the playoffs without being a one seed generally it says a two seed but they not necessarily to say that they've always had a cakewalk in the eastern conference but they've only had a Couple years where they've gone up against a really good team in the second round. The past two years, they swept the Hawks and they swept the Raptors. Not necessarily to say that they're bad teams, but they weren't really teams that anyone was like, oh, watch out, the Cavs might lose to them. So, 2012, as a member of the Miami Heat, LeBron played a hard fought series with the Pacers that went to six games. 2015, Uh, His first year back with the Cavs, he had another six-game series with the Bulls. And outside of that, he did go to five games with the Celtics' big three back in 2011, his first year in Miami. But he hasn't really been tested early in the playoffs, which is something that if Toronto, as the one seed, advances in the second round as expected, he won't have home court advantage in the second round for the first time since... I believe, actually, oh 2008 when they lost to the Celtics. So I think it's a little different circumstances that we're used to, but it's still LeBron. And LeBron has won the East seven years in a row, and it's difficult to be able to say that someone is going to prevent it from happening this season.
1: Yes, And, and even though the Cavs are the fourth seed, which you might be looked at as underachieving for LeBron historically, This was, this year, uh, he did do something he'd never done before, which was start all 82 games. As LeBron James, despite how old he's gotten, is still very much LeBron James. And I have a hard time uh, being convinced that there's going to be a different outcome just because they're the four seed. I, I was shocked to find out that historically how difficult it is to make it and win the finals when you're not one of the top three seeds. But if anybody can do it, it's a generational player like LeBron James, so yes. uh, I, I that's specifically on the Cavs side, but kind of pushing it towards the Warriors. Now the Warriors have had a little bit of injury trouble here uh, with they Steph have. Curry, but beyond that, some of their depth as well has been a little not like banged up. So are are we as confident in the Warriors to
0: make the finals this year? You know, earlier I mentioned that all season I was like the Rockets are not gonna make the finals because they have historically not been good in the playoffs and the Warriors, regardless of being a two seed, they're still the Warriors. And we might as well just, you know, book the finals for them because they're gonna find a way to win. But they're seven and ten in their last seventeen games. They lost to the Utah Jazz by forty on Tuesday night in a game in which Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, the three of the big four that are still healthy outside of Stephen Curry, played as much as they could and should have for a 40-point loss. So to me, it's it's definitely something that needs to be of concern for Golden State. Um, and I I don't know. They They didn't win 60 games this year for the first time since 2014, which was before the... Uh, three-year Western Conference Championship run they're on. In theory, if Curry comes back healthy later in the playoffs, they're a whole different team. But we already know that he's out for the entire first round, and there's no timetable as to when we can expect him to be on the court beyond that.
1: I uh, even since the last time we recorded, uh, uh, even since the last time we talked about the Warriors on the podcast my perception of them has changed a lot especially with the way that they've played to end out the season but they're still the warriors they <laughs> still have that star-studded lineup so i look at them as a bit of a sleeping giant and if the question is will they wake up because yep. they they're still the warriors but if they keep playing like they have played they won't go very far in the playoffs but if they can turn it on and be the warriors that we that we know you know ship it Straight to the finals, and we'll see them. You know, potentially against LeBron, uh, but we'll have to see. That's why we play the games. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, that that's kind of how I see it right now. If they can't find a way to find their identity again, now, now that it's playoffs time, then we might see an early exit from the Warriors. But if history has taught us anything, they'll they'll find themselves, and uh, and we'll see where they go.
0: I think that is very reasonable, um, and I think that. Any kind of knock against them now could look very foolish by the time the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals roll around. Agreed. I think it's crazy that we're even at this point, though. Uh, it, again,
1: the regular season, once you look back at a season, the postseason matters way more than these. You know, the last 17 games. But the, they still did play those last 17 <laughs> games, so yep. still something to be considered. All right, moving forward my favorite team my hometown team here uh the oklahoma city thunder who i am very excited about having at the end of the season last night russell westbrook needed 16 rebounds to average a triple double for the season and he got 20 and for the second time in his career second year in a row he averaged a triple double a game uh oscar robertson is the only other player to ever have average a triple-double. He only achieved it once, and it was in the 60s, which kind of blows my mind considering the fact they didn't have three points, uh, the three-point line back then. So that's tough to deal with. Additionally, last year Russell Westbrook led the league in scoring. This year he led the, t- the league in assists. No player has ever f- followed up a leading year with assists, which when you say it out loud is a lot less impressive than it is on average. Paper or on the Thunder Instagram account where I found it. And Russell Westbrook and Paul George, PG-13, combined for the most 20-plus point games of any two teammates this season in the NBA. So the the Thunder have a lot to be excited about right now. Oh, and last night, the Thunder had their highest scoring half of the season uh, against the Grizzlies, which I guess... It's the Grizzlies. But still, the Thunder are looking good heading into the postseason, especially after clinching the four seed and securing that home field advantage in the first round.
0: Yeah, the Thunder all season long kind of dealt with the, the struggles and the perception that, oh, this this big three of uh, Westbrook, George, and Carmelo Anthony isn't all that good. They There was actually like thoughts – in the last week of the season that they can miss the playoffs, but they beat the Rockets in Houston on Saturday night, took care of business, and like you said, not only made the playoffs, but they're a four seed. They have home court advantage in the first round, and they have a lot of superstar talent on their team that not a lot of teams in the Western Conference playoffs outside of Houston and Golden State have. So just based on that alone, I feel like Oklahoma City has the the star power the playoff experience and the talent to be able to make a deep run. But they do have some injury concerns right now. Corey Brewer just recently got hurt. Alex Abriones is injured. Those are some of their depth guys, but still valuable pieces that you would want to have in the playoffs, especially early on as you uh, try to develop and uh, get on your, your big runs as you advance deeper and have to go up against some of those top talented teams like houston and golden state yes
1: no i'm excited to see how they do especially given the favorable position after the shakeup at the end of this season with two games to go potentially being out of it or uh being any of the seeds from four to eight so um it was volatile i think they came out as best they could and now it's time to go out there and play can paul george and russell westbrook Uh, You know be that dynamic duo in the postseason can Carmelo Anthony shoot efficiently when it matters because Lord knows that he can shoot inefficiently when it matters so we'll have to see if he comes alive in the postseason too. I mean I've said this before I I consider Carmelo Anthony's contribution to the Thunder this year to be somewhat uh, disappointing. I think that we expected a little bit more from him. He has at times shown that he can still be Carmelo Anthony, but he's also at times shown that he has not aged as well as LeBron James. So there's, uh, you know, there's a. We'll have to see what we get once we get into the playoffs. But to round it up here, before we start talking about playoff predictions, let's talk about a few more uh, teams here. The Pelicans with Anthony Davis. Uh, Will they be able to get anything done as the 6th seed going up against the Trailblazers? I actually have an interesting uh, anecdote about this that came up today. Corey, do you know who Lil B, the based god, is? (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) So I'm sure you heard today Lil B was bestowing his blessings uh, before the NBA playoffs began. And he actually began by blessing the Pelicans. Which was surprising to me. A six seed receiving the base God's blessing. And, and in case you don't know who Lil B is, Lil B is a very famous rapper. He's kind of underground, kind of alternative, but his he has a cult following and he's famous for blessing and cursing athletes. He's His most famous, at least the most well-known that I know of, is when he cursed Kevin Durant when he played for the Thunder. And after and the Thunder never won a championship with Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant left the Thunder, the base god formally announced that he was releasing Kevin Durant from the curse. And that very season, Kevin Durant wins a championship. Pay no mind to the fact that Kevin Durant had just joined the Warriors coming off the most successful regular season in history. But Lil B's blessings and curses are taken seriously. However, so, so when I heard that the, the Pelicans had been blessed... I assumed, or I, I, uh, I, my opinions quickly became that of pro-Pelican. I thought for sure the Pelicans had it. But then, Lil B blessed the Trailblazers <laughs> yeah. as well. So now, both teams are playing with a blessing, and it's almost uh, nullified. However, I'm excited to see whoever wins this series... How they'll move forward with that blessing, but I, but that's we're getting. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> when we're talking predictions. Um, tell me what you think about the the Pelicans' chances, Corey.
0: So I have actually been a Pelicans fan uh, since they were the Charlotte Hornets. So when I was like three, four years old, my dad got me a Charlotte Hornets hat, and that was before I really cared about sports in general, let alone basketball. I remember must have been 2002, 2003. I was. I was out to dinner um, with my parents, and the New Orleans Hornets were on TV. And I was like, wait, I thought the Hornets played in Charlotte. Uh, that was when I found out they were in New Orleans. I stuck with them uh, through Chris Paul getting there and ultimately uh, Anthony Davis. Now they're the Pelicans. So uh, to me, I, I'm very, very happy with the, the way that this season has played out. Might be a little biased in terms of their chances uh, because they are very centered around anthony davis 28 points 11 rebounds per game he is a superstar arguably top five player in the league demarcus cousins star center traded for him at the deadline last year uh too little too late from him because the pelicans were were not that close in the the playoff race but even after he tore his achilles this year they finished 21 and 13 sixth seed Drew Holiday signed a huge contract in the offseason. He averaged 19 points, six assists per game. Nikola Mirotic, who they traded for at the deadline uh, with the Chicago Bulls, he in his last five games this season put up 25, 31, 28, 24, 21 points. Excuse me, last. Yeah, 25, 31, 28, 24, 21. Last five games. Three of those five games, he had 15, 16, 16 rebounds. So he's playing lights out right now. I don't necessarily think the Pelicans are good enough to knock off Golden State or Houston. But if Anthony Davis turns it on, puts up 35, 40 points a game, and the rest of the guys, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, who last season, uh, he, he was phenomenal against the Celtics, in the playoffs before getting injured, and a lot of people uh, still think that the Bulls would have knocked off the Celtics as an eight seed had Rondo not gotten hurt. Uh, and then Miritich, Mecca Okafor, who is uh, he's still playing for the Pelicans, and uh, and I think is like feels like his fifteenth year in the league now. Uh, they they're they're a team that I think has some then they don't have a whole lot of talent beyond anthony davis in terms of like recognizable names but they have a lot of chemistry they've played well together as a unit so i'm maybe a little more biased toward the pelicans than most but i I do like their chances of uh at least advancing into the the second round yeah I, i definitely love watching anthony davis play basketball i love
1: seeing big men who can gracefully get around the floor And uh, I think it'll be great to see them go up against the Trailblazers. That's going to be an exciting series. Uh, So moving forward towards the Utah Jazz. Now, I haven't watched a whole lot of Jazz basketball this season, but it's my impression that it's the Donovan Mitchell show.
0: Would you say that's accurate at all? Uh, I I definitely think so. Donovan Mitchell, 20.5 points per game. He, as we mentioned earlier, he's probably not going to win rookie of the year he'll probably fall short to ben simmons but he certainly put up numbers that are deserving of the award um he he had a phenomenal year but it's not just Donovan mitchell they have rudy gobert who dealt with some injuries this season but he's healthy now averaged a double double they after losing gordon hayward and george hill in the offseason, there wasn't a whole lot of optimism around Utah. they were a team that some people are like, ah, maybe they're the seven or the eight seed. But they, they finished the season strong. They lost to the Trailblazers last night, so they ended up as a five seed instead of a three seed. But, you know, beyond just Mitchell, uh, I think that the Jazz are a very talented team. And uh, they are certainly playing extremely well since January.
1: Well, I'm not scared. The Thunder will take care of him. But we'll we'll, we'll get on to that. Last thing before we go into our playoff predictions. uh, Death, taxes, and the Spurs in the NBA postseason. Uh, But does it mean anything? Will they they be able to take this run uh, deep into the playoffs?
0: They're the 7th seed, uh, which is unfamiliar territory for the Spurs. So they've actually made it 21 straight seasons. Which is tied for the second most ever. 22 is the record. Syracuse Nationals, Philadelphia 76ers, 1950 is 1973. Um, but in terms of the Spurs, as a seven seed. So since 1999, when they won their first NBA championship, this is only the third time that the Spurs did not have home court advantage in the first round. The other two times, 2010, they were a seven seed. 2015, they were a six seed both years they were eliminated in round one and going up against the defending champs golden state i know the warriors have struggled i know they're without stephen curry but the spurs are without Kawhi leonard there's no reason to believe that he's going to come back anytime in the playoffs after missing almost the entire regular season i don't really like the spurs chances of advancing Uh, i think greg popovich has done another masterful job of getting this team back to the playoffs but i'm expecting an early exit for san antonio way too early prediction Corey. what jersey is quiet Leonard gonna be wearing next season (laughs) i think the spurs would be crazy to get rid of him so i'm still going to say san antonio but i also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play again next year as he awaits his uh contract year when he's eligible to sign a super max 200 million dollar potential deal which realistically i don't think that's going to happen but i if i had to predict now i would say he'll stick around in san antonio not having Kawhi
1: leonard around for most of the season this year has been one of the biggest disappointments for me i love watching Kawhi leonard do his thing Mm -hmm. Uh, all right so i think it's time for us to try to predict these playoffs
0: Corey. yep so I think we're gonna we're gonna focus on the first round We'll give you our NBA champions heading in to the um, you know just into the start of the postseason but we're just gonna give you our round by or our matchup by matchup first round predictions for now and as the playoffs advance we'll you know that, that's when we're gonna kind of tell you how our our brackets sort of play out and who we expect to to win once we we enter the you know second, conference finals rounds so let's start off in the east with the number one overall or number one seed in the east the toronto raptors going up against the eighth seeded washington wizards
1: so i am under the impression that it's very typical washington sports to be uh one and done to make the playoffs and then go nowhere with it and i think that that's going to continue here with the raptors easily beating the wizards
0: yeah, the, the Wizards definitely dealt with some injuries this year to uh, star point guard John Wall in particular. He's healthy, but I, I really am not ready to dismiss Toronto's um, playoff chances, at least in the first round. Uh, I'm going to take the Raptors in five over Washington. I, I'm taking the Raptors in four. I,
1: right. I, like, I like their chances here, especially because I haven't been impressed with the few
0: Wizards games I've spectated this year. Um, All right, so who's next? So let's move on to the number two seed, the Boston Celtics, going up against the seven-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee was not a team that we talked about, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the best young players in the NBA right now. And as we mentioned earlier, the Celtics are hurt. So what are your thoughts on Milwaukee's upset chances? I love Giannis. Giannis is, he
1: does things that I didn't know that people his size are capable of doing. And I think that the the Celtics without Kyrie is the opportunity that the Bucks are looking for. I think that Giannis comes alive and they take this series in
0: six games. You know, it, it definitely wouldn't surprise me. Celtics did go 15-8 and eight without Kyrie this season. I think that they're good enough to at least get out of the first round. Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo certainly make me nervous. I'm going to say the Celtics in six, but I would not be shocked if they just struggle without their star point guard on the court and Giannis takes over and pulls off the upset.
1: All right, next matchup is the number three seed Philadelphia 76ers versus the six seed Miami
0: Heat sixers have won 16th straight i expect that winning streak to continue i'm going with the sixers in a sweep over miami i think the heat would have much preferred to play the celtics than the hot philadelphia 76ers and despite having the name heat i think it's going to be a very cold postseason run for them
1: very nice i uh i actually we, we didn't talk about the heat yet uh, but to tell you the truth, I kind of forgot about them. I've, they're not very. They're very. Not, not, not a team I expect much in this postseason from. Uh, but they do have D Wade back. I love seeing D Wade wearing that Miami Vice jersey. Uh, they also. Hassan Whiteside is still doing his thing down there in Miami. So, uh, But yes, unfortunately, the 76ers are red hot. And I'm with you. I, I like the 76ers in four.
0: All right, and the final matchup of the Eastern Conference first round, it is the fourth-seeded Cleveland Cavaliers going up against the fifth-seeded Indiana Pacers.
1: Now, for me, this one is hard. It's I don't know. It's it's hard to predict for me. I, I like LeBron, but we've never seen LeBron be in such a tough position to start the playoffs. Uh, That being said, I still have a lot of faith in
0: him, and I have the Cavs winning this one in six. So Indiana actually won three out of four this season against Cleveland. Uh, Most of those games that they won came before the trade deadline, before Cleveland made their acquisitions and shook up their team. Um, I think that LeBron in the first round of the playoffs is – just about as much of a lock as there is in all of sports. Generally he he survives in a sweep. I think Indiana will seal a game. I'm going with Cleveland and five. Fair enough.
1: So no upsets. Well yes,
0: no, we you have no on
1: almost no yeah. upsets. And I I have don't chalk in know, the east. I do not know if we're gonna get any more interesting when we switch conferences here. Yeah, we'll, uh, see. But, we'll see. But we'll see. we'll see. Um so Obviously, we'll start the one seed Houston Rockets versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Back in the playoffs, yep. baby.
0: The drought is over. And uh, who, who, who you got in this matchup, Corey? So I'm, I'm going with Houston. Um, I do think it's, it's awesome that Minnesota was able to get back to the playoffs. First time in 14 years. But they are going up against the best team in the NBA in the regular season and while the Timberwolves have an exciting young team, Jimmy Butler is healthy, Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar center, the Rockets are just playing very well, and I'm going to take Houston to, to take this series in five games. I agree. I think the Rockets win it in five. Give the Timberwolves
1: one win at home for all those fans who have missed out on the playoffs for so long. Earlier we said that it's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. I think it's also a good time to be a Minnesota sports fan, obviously to a lesser degree. but yeah, still Not, not the, as many championships. Sure, but you did have the Minnesota Miracle, and you had the Timberwolves breaking the drought this year. Yeah, I mean, even um, the Twins
0: making the playoffs last year um, after finishing with one of the worst records in baseball in 2016 was pretty cool. But Right.
1: So I, a lot to be happy about as a Minnesota sports fan a lot of franchises, a lot of sports cities have a lot less to celebrate. So yeah. moving forward, we've got the two seeded golden state warriors versus the seven seed San Antonio Spurs. How do you see this one going, Corey?
0: So the warriors are without Curry in this series. They've been struggling, but I don't think the Spurs are all that good. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge had a bounce back year, but no Kawhi Leonard. We saw what happened when these two teams met in the Western Conference Finals last year, and Kawhi Leonard left with an injury. The Warriors just swept him out of the playoffs. Um, and I don't know if it'll necessarily be a sweep, given the way that Golden State has played, but I'm going to go with Golden State in four. Maybe San Antonio seal a game, but I don't see this being a series.
1: I I'm going with a confident five i think that the warriors will win at home maybe have a wake-up call in san antonio where they need to really turn it on but i don't think there's ever going to be a question about who's going to win this series so that next up we got the three-seeded portland Trail Blazers versus the six-seed new orleans
0: pelicans yeah, we and got don't the... forget don't upset. forget
1: about the
0: Base god blessings that are involved in this yep it's a win-win lose-lose situation for him so (laughs) yes so for Um, me
1: uh because of that and solely because of that i think this game i think this series is going to seven and it's going to be tight but i think damian lillard leads his trailblazers to the win in game seven to advance to the next round
0: so the trailblazers were on a 13 game winning streak in february and march After that winning streak, they lost seven of their last 12 games. They were riding a four-game losing streak before beating Utah last night to get the three seed, and uh, New Orleans has been playing well in their their final five games. I think that's going to continue. I think the Pelicans are going to win this series in six games. They're going to close it out at home, but I do think this will be a very entertaining series. Excellent. Yes, and don't forget the Pelicans to see the blessing first. So um, <laughs>
1: yes, they did. So, <laughs> so okay. And uh, so, so, but enough about the blessing. I think we've beat that horse to death. The four seed Oklahoma City Thunder take on the five seed Utah Jazz. I, we said it before. I think that the Pacers <laughs> are. I mean, the Jazz are a intimidating team, but the Thunder have a lot going for them, and I think that the home field advantage will be enough for them. I like the Thunder in five for this one, finishing
0: off at home. So the Jazz started this season 19-28, and 28, and they went 29-6 and six after that to not only make the playoffs after seemingly being way out of contention, but to end up as a five seed. And they have a tough matchup with Oklahoma City, but they're playing really well right now, Donovan Mitchell, we're going to get to see him in the postseason. Oklahoma City does have their big three of Westbrook, George, and Carmelo Anthony, but they're a little banged up. I'm going with the Jazz in seven. I'm sorry, Ben. You picked the Celtics to lose. I'm picking your Thunder to lose. Fair enough. So uh, when we're talking rookie of the year, does
1: how far your team makes it in the postseason come into, uh, come into the equation at all?
0: No, because the uh, awards are only regular season, just like in – the other sports
1: i would love to see how petty donovan mitchell could be if the jazz survive longer than the (laughs) uh, 76ers while i think that's unlikely Mm -hmm. it would be an interesting scenario to see between those two so there you have it our nf uh, our our nba postseason predictions for the first round who do you have in the finals
0: Corey? so i'll start off with my eastern conference team The LeBron James, Miami Heat, and Cleveland Cavaliers have won the East seven years in a row. Uh, This year, he is in unfamiliar territory as a four seed. He has home court advantage in the first round against Indiana. If Toronto wins, he won't have home court advantage against them. And if either Boston or Philadelphia win and advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and he goes up against them he also won't have home court advantage in those series I think I can come up with plenty of reasons as to why any of Toronto Boston and Philadelphia can knock off the Cavs the Raptors are coming off their best season in team history they played well against Cleveland in the regular season and if there's going to be a year for the Raptors to reverse their playoff failures, it's this season. The Celtics, no Kyrie Irving, it's, it's harder to make a case for them. But Brad Stevens, if he's not the best coach in the NBA, he's the second best coach. And I think based on coaching alone, Boston has an edge. Talent is where their shortcomings are if they were to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals as for the Sixers 16 straight wins they're hot entering the playoffs but they don't have the playoff experience of the opponents that they would go up against in Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals and I think if LeBron gets that far who's to say that he's going to be tripped up then until lebron is unable to get to the nba finals it's hard for me to say that he's not going to get there uh so i am taking the cleveland cavaliers to win the eastern conference
1: yeah i'm going to echo your sentiment just a little in in a in a few less words in fact two words three syllables lebron james okay this man is an absolute legend and Father Time still has not gotten to him yet. Easily give me the Cavs uh, to win the East. Who do you have in the West? So in the West, honestly, uh, this one I'm way less confident on. Because I think there's a... Well, I, I'm interested in a few teams. Obviously, I, I would love for my Thunder to represent the West. But I think that's being a little bit unrealistic, especially... Uh, Even though getting the fourth seed, I think, is good. I had higher hopes for them this season. I think that the Rockets finally get it together here in the postseason, and I like them to represent the West in the NBA Finals.
0: You know, I was really expecting you to say Golden State here, just the way that you talked about them earlier. All season long, I've been saying the Warriors are going to win the West, and they're going to win the Finals. But as we've reached the postseason they're trending self and the Rockets are continuing to play like the best team in basketball if they meet Golden State in the Western Conference Finals they'll have home court advantage it's unknown whether Golden State will have Stephen Curry I think if Golden State has Curry back and he's healthy and he is playing well in the second round and can continue that in the Western Conference Finals that changes things but I think the Rockets and James Harden and Chris Paul are going to shake off their ghosts of postseason past and represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. I uh, Golden State
1: has a habit of making me eat my words when it comes to the postseason. But for now, <laughs> I have to take a stand at some point, and I'm taking the, the Rockets. I uh, At the very least, I would love to see them shake it up and not have the same matchup in the mm-hmm. finals for the fourth year in a row, even though I understand that that's objectively impressive for both teams to have made it yep. four years consecutively.
0: Yep. Um, and in terms of winning it?
1: That is tough. It really is tough. I I, I will, just for, just for the sake of uh, variety, I think that would be exciting to see the Rockets win this one. Because LeBron mm-hmm. James has shown he can... If he's going to lose somewhere in the postseason, it's going to be the final. And if the Rockets can beat the the Warriors, then I think they can beat the Cavs. And I like the Rockets to yeah. win it.
0: LeBron's 3-5 and five in the finals. I think he'll be 3-6 and six after this year. And the Houston Rockets will win their first NBA title since 1995. So, that's our NBA playoffs preview. And with that, we can get into our segments to... Uh, wrap up the show and take a little break from, from the NBA so fun facts our first fun fact on April 8th John Carlos Stanton of the New York Yankees became the first player in MLB history to have two zero hit five strikeout games in a single season the key word, April 8th, a week into the season, John Carlos Stanton, the big Yankees trading acquisition from the Miami Marlins, the defending NL MVP, is in the record books for a horrible reason, uh, and you hate to see that. <laughs> so I'm no expert on baseball, but is this guy just swinging at literally anything they throw his way? Yeah, I mean, more or less, you know, he... He had two home runs in his Yankees debut in Toronto, and had one of those uh, zero-hit, five-strikeout games in the home opener at Yankee Stadium. Uh, As a Red Sox fan, I love it. The Sox had won nine in a row, lost to the Yankees last night, but there was a big brawl when Red Sox pitcher Joe Kelly threw at Yankees hitter Tyler Austin, and... I think it's fair to say that the Red, Sox rivalry, Red Sox-Yankees Red Sox rivalry is officially back, and I can't wait to continue to watch these two teams play throughout the remainder of the season and hopefully into the playoffs. As far as brawls go, that was a pretty good brawl. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of thought
1: between getting hit with a ball and approaching the mound, and I I love to see them s- yep. slug it out like that, solve, solve their problems the old-fashioned way.
0: Yep, especially and, this uh, early in the season, you love to see that.
1: Right. And so I again, I, I'm not I don't follow the rivalry as much. This is a bit of a rebirth for it had it been in a lull?
0: Yeah, so this so last season was the first time since 2009 that both teams made the playoffs in the same season. The rivalry kind of started to die off as some of the players uh, who were really there, 2003, 2004, Uh, even into the the mid to late 2000s, started to leave the team. Um, But it's very much at the point where these two teams are going to be contending to win the AL East. Pretty much everyone thinks they're both going to the playoffs. They're two of the favorites in the American League to make it to the World Series. So this is, yeah, certainly a rebirth of not necessarily a dead rivalry, but a rivalry that has lost some of the appeal uh, compared to what it was 10 15 years ago and well, we all love that. we
1: all love a good rivalry especially these storied ones yeah uh, especially because baseball's been around for so long our next fun fact the Villanova Wildcats became just the fourth team to win the NCAA Division one men's basketball tournament by winning all six tournament games by double digits. Listen, people, if you listen to the podcast, you already knew Villanova was going to win this thing. This is not a surprise to us and our listeners. So to see them do it in such uh, historic uh, fashion, while impressive, it's barely surprising.
0: Uh, They were absolutely dominant in the tournament. I know I picked North Carolina to beat them in the final because I'm a North Carolina fan, but take away that... That personal bias, I was I would have picked Villanova to win the tournament. Uh, they were they were dominant. They blew out pretty much everyone they faced. They didn't have a whole lot of struggle to make it all the way to the championship game and ultimately win it. And they were they totally killed Kansas with the three pointer in the semifinals. And Michigan just didn't stand a chance in the national championship game. It was not very close after. five ten minutes into the game so Villanova second title in three years Michael Bridges and Jalen Brunson both declared for the NBA draft we'll see if they can make it three out of four but they Philadelphia uh they're they're riding high in terms of yes championships
1: yeah I was tempted to pick Creighton but I knew (laughs) I knew that Villanova had what it took uh so yes congratulations to them
0: yep So, uh, our next fun fact, since 2003, the President's Trophy winner has reached the Stanley Cup Finals just three times with only two victories, with the last one by Chicago in 2013. The league's best regular season team has lost in the first round four times in that stretch. So, uh, the reason why I bring this up, Stanley Cup playoffs are underway. This year, the President's Trophy winner as the best regular season team are the Nashville Predators. And as much as uh, the President's Trophy curse has me weary to say it, I think the Predators are going to uh, buck the trend and they will win the Stanley Cup this postseason. Uh, As a Penguins fan, I've had the joy of watching them win it two straight years. I don't think they're as good as they've been the past couple uh, despite their seven nothing dominant blowout win over the Philadelphia Flyers in game one uh, but I'm going with Nashville despite winning the president's trophy and the lack of success that generally comes with it to win the Stanley Cup uh, Ben I know no- you're not a huge hockey guy do you do you have a team that you're you're pulling for this year or think's gonna win uh, I don't know if you're, you're a San Jose Sharks fan given your San Francisco ties well to tell you the truth I do don't
1: have a nhl team that i call my own however i did attend a kanye west concert in the preds stadium or arena
0: so i i'm with you i think they can go all the way yeah so we'll see what happens um but yeah nashville smashville they barely made the playoffs last year and made it to the Stanley cup finals this year they have more of a target on their back so we'll see how they do but i I definitely like their chances
1: all right, our next fun fact. Los Angeles Angels rookie pitcher and designated hitter Shohei Otani. How'd I do?
0: Shohei. Close. Shohei
1: Otani became the first major league player since 1919 to notch two wins and hit three homers in his team's first ten games. I've heard about this guy. He is an international superstar.
0: Yep, he's uh, known as the Japanese Babe Ruth. Ohtani actually did not play well in spring training at all. As a hitter, he batted just 125, 347 ops, which is about half of where you want it to be, especially for a designated hitter. Uh, He only made two er, spring training starts, got lit up in them, 412 whip, 27 ERA. A lot of people didn't think he deserved to make the major league roster, thought it would benefit him to start out in the minors, He's proven the doubters wrong early, at least. Uh, winning two games in his first two starts, three home runs. Otani is uh, definitely looking the part right now, and Angels fans have to be excited as uh, they, they're they off to a great start to the season. Now, I understand there are some strange rules
1: regarding uh, Sh- Sh- Shohei. Yep, Shohei. Uh, Shohei, Mr. Otani, joining the MLB. Some say he joined earlier than he uh, maybe should have if he was interested in getting paid the yep. maximum amount. So uh, why did he pick Los Angeles?
0: So his his like priorities in terms of a team he wanted, he wanted to be on the West Coast. He said he wanted to be on a small market, which is a lot of people thought for sure meant the Seattle Mariners. Instead, he meant a big market where there are, The number two team as uh los angeles (laughs) is is dominant dominated by the by dodgers and dodgers fans um but he has certainly looked at home in in anaheim playing for the angels so uh at least the the way that his career started i don't think he's regretting leaving early and choosing to join that franchise i i love seeing international players do well
1: uh, the way Jay Ajayi played, joining the and the NFL, having a very very thick British accent, is a nice uh, breath of fresh air, and uh, I think that having the Japanese Babe Ruth uh, in uh, the MLB, which I, I know he's not the only international player, but having uh, you know a superstar be very international is uh, it's good. It's a nice mm-hmm. variety.
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting, uh, especially given how few pitcher hitter. Uh, slash players we have had in recent decades Uh, as for our final fact Andre Ingram played 384 games over 10 years in the NBA's G League before finally making his NBA debut on Tuesday night he scored 19 points against the Houston Rockets the most points in a post all-star break NBA debut since 1953, Ingram, a career G League player, back in 2007, after going undrafted out of American University, chose to go to the G League because he felt he would get more NBA exposure as opposed to playing over in Europe. He made a career out of himself in the minors, never got a chance to play in the NBA until the Lakers decide to give him a contract, and he goes out and scores 19 points, drops four three-pointers, and even receives some MVP chance from the crowd at the Staples Center. Definitely one of the more amazing stories to come out of the NBA this season.
1: Absolutely inspirational. I think that anybody in any walk of life can take something away from Andre Ingram after this performance. He just didn't give up. It's the def- It's the definition yep. of perseverance. Just, yeah,
0: absolutely. Never giving I, up.
1: I have attended a handful of G League games this year. Be- as the the Thunder have their G League team, the Blue, the Oklahoma City Blue, and it's a thankless job. These guys go out there and hustle hard with barely anyone in the audience. I mean, my, I make a habit of buying the cheapest possible tickets. Because once you get there, the ushers say you can sit wherever you want because there's not enough people to fill the seat. So for someone to go in there and put that work in for 10 straight years, it's really nice to see that payoff and have him go out there and ball against the Houston Rockets for 19 points.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely a great story, especially the fact that he did it against the number one team in the West. So uh, that, that's all we have for fun facts and we are ready to move on to today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so this coming Monday is Patriots Day, which is a holiday celebrated in Massachusetts and Maine in honor of the start to the American Revolution with the battles of Lexington and Concord. So this day, the Boston Marathon is run every year, Kids in those states are lucky and they get to be off school, despite living in New Hampshire right between them. I, I never got to celebrate Patriots Day the, the same way they did. Uh, but it's, it's definitely an exciting, exciting time in New England. And it's fun to look back on our nation's founding and the war that gained our independence from Great Britain. So Ben and I ranked our top five moments of the American Revolution.
1: Yes, and this was a very stark reminder to me of how poorly the South Carolina public education system failed me when it comes to my history. But luckily, I have a limitless uh, source of information called the Internet at my disposal. (laughs) So I'm hoping that I can uh, bring to you a passing top five. And I guess I'll get started with my number five. And uh, this one, you know, some people may argue whether or not it should be included in the top five, but I think it's important. Betsy Ross sews the, f- the first American flag in 1776. Uh, she, she hit this one out of the park. She, uh, you know, her original design is different than what we have now, thanks to a few additional states we've added since the American Revolution. But the, the same basic premise is there. And Betsy Ross made an, icon- a, an iconic flag. Uh,
0: during the revolution yeah certainly one of the most recognizable flags in the entire world uh, i was tempted to put betsy ross soza flag in my top five uh, didn't doesn't make the cut but one thing i will say is the summer between second and third grade uh, i went to a summer camp at my old kindergarten uh, and we had a play Uh, about Betsy Ross and I played the role of George Washington so every time I think of Betsy Ross and that flag I think of that play it was a lot of fun my grandfather recorded it on his uh, video camcorder and I remember a couple years later watching it back and there was this one part where I like forgot my line and uh, I was like, oh, what do I say? Like, I already said that. Uh, it was kind of funny looking back. but I remember there was like one funny line about a bag of potato chips in it. Um, don't remember to play too much, but I definitely have some fond memories to uh, a fun moment in my childhood when I think of Betsy Ross and the flag. Classic Washington and his potato chips. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so my number five is not on the list because I'm happy about what happened, it's more of the circumstances and the the her, her, heroism uh, and the stories that have come from this. So Nathan Hale was 21 years old in September 1776. So this is just a couple months after the Declaration of Independence was signed, still early in the war. He volunteered to go behind enemy lines as a spy. And... Unfortunately for the Americans, the uh mission was unsuccessful. New York City fell to British troops, and a few week or a week later on uh, September 21st, 2018, Nathan Hale was captured and the following day he was hanged, only 21 years old. But his final words, while these are debated as to whether or not they was specifically what he said, uh, his final words are generally attributed as, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. And just knowing that this young kid was like, had that much passion for the cause and wanting to gain his country's freedom and to no longer be under British tyranny, uh, I think it's a truly amazing story and in 1985 the state of Connecticut officially honored him by making him the state's official hero. So, wow. yeah, definitely cool. Like a you know, a guy that's that's uh, just about my age and uh just knowing what he he did for the uh American cause is is pretty astounding to me. What an absolute legend. Mm-hmm. And
1: to have his legend his legacy cemented like that. Yeah. uh is fitting. So, congr- uh, that's uh Well done there, Corey. Number five. I can't wait to see the rest of yours. Um, So my next up is my number four. And this one's pretty well known. But in uh, 1773, the uh, British Parliament passed the Tea Act, which gave the British East India Company a monopoly on tea sales in the colony. And the Americans, the, uh, the colonies, were not very happy about this. And they did something that is... Come to be known as very American, they protested on December 16th, 1773. About 70 men boarded uh, British ships that were bringing tea into the harbor and dumped the cargo into the sea, and it was dubbed the Boston Tea Party, a act of rebellion that inspired a whole lot moving forward, showing that these colonies were not going to take it anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely a... a huge moment early on uh a couple years before the war started and a really really fun story and uh you know no taxation without representation that was that was really uh one of the the big moments to kick off the war so definitely appreciate you putting boston tea party on your list for me number four is paul revere's midnight ride uh of course paul revere the night before the battles of Lexington and Concord, when the uh, war officially started, went on a midnight ride to alert the uh, Americans who were ready to go up against the British troops how the British would be entering uh, the country, saying one if by land, two if by sea. Those were the, the number of lanterns he would put up. And like your Betsy Ross sewing the flag, I do have a fond memory. Uh, back in fifth grade, my my class had to get together in groups and write a rap or a song about Paul Revere. Uh, I don't really remember the rap all that well, but I do remember having a lot of fun with that, and anyone who knows me knows that rapping is one of my, my favorite things to do. Uh, and that was one of my, my first raps that I ever wrote was about Paul Revere. So because of that, he... He and his midnight ride make my list at number four. Definitely one of the most iconic events of the Revolution. You can't have a
1: you can't have a list like this without at least including Paul Revere. Um, and uh, yes, so on to my number three. I have the surrender at Yorktown. So this is obviously very late in the war, uh, with the Americans and the French in Virginia, seventeen eighty one. They trapped the British on the Yorktown Peninsula. British commander, Lieutenant General Lord... That's way too many titles, by the <laughs> way. Lieutenant General Lord Cornwallis. Uh, he saw he was pretty much screwed didn't have the slightest chance of defeating the combined might of the uh, French and American armies. So he tried to escape, but his attempt was foiled. And on October 19th, 1781, Lord Cornwallis... Lord, (laughs) Lieutenant General Lord uh, Cornwallis accepted terms of surrender. And the American War of Independence was practically over. It wasn't. There were still uh, armed hostilities. I imagine that word did not travel as quickly back then. So if the war ended in one place, you might not know about it somewhere else. Uh, But this was the beginning of the end. This is practically the end Mm -hmm. of the uh, American
0: Revolution. Yep, that was the yeah. You're right. That was the beginning of the end. I don't know a whole lot of details about the actual surrender at Yorktown, which is the reason why I left it off my list. But you know, the British had to lose at some point, and it's uh, pretty awesome. And I, I say the British had to lose in the sense that that's how we are, the United States of America, a free country that uh, you know, not under British ruling. Uh, we won that war, so definitely awesome to uh, put the the finishing touches in your top five.
1: Right. Well, and it's, I mean, that's obviously why we're not speaking in British accents and wearing powdered wigs right now yep. it's because we want our independence. So uh, what's your number three, Corey? So
0: my number three is George Washington leading his troops across the Delaware uh, river. And this was done on Christmas night, uh, early morning of December 26th. He, had a surprise attack uh, in what was the Battle of Trenton, which was a a major early victory for the American forces. And to be honest, the biggest reason why this is as high on my list as it is is because of the recent Geico commercial where they they say uh, something happening, surprising, not surprising, saving all this money on car insurance. And the commercial is... uh, washington crossing the delaware turnpike and it's him trying to row a boat on the highway and cars beeping at him and he's like all right all right ah calm down we all got places to go and i just I, i i don't know some geico commercials i think are really dumb that's one that i find very entertaining uh so that that's that's the biggest reason why i have it number three on my list
1: yes and i'll give geico credit a lot of companies don't even try to be entertaining in their commercials, and Geico at least tries and mm-hmm. sometimes succeeds. Yep. So, and and I, I would I think that that's a great example of a time where it goes well for them. Um, all right, moving forward to my number two. Now, this one I don't actually specifically remember learning about in uh, school, which again, South Carolina public <laughs> education people, but the signature of the Treaty of Paris. Now this is, I would say, the part two to the British surrender at Yorktown. Now Yorktown was a surrender for the British with all our guns pointed at them and they were basically screwed, they had to. The Treaty of Paris was the the final act that gave America its true independence. Signed on September 3rd, 1783, the Treaty of Paris Uh, formally uh, recognized the United States as an independent country, the official United States of America and set the boundaries of the United States, the Mississippi River in the West, the Great Lakes in the North and uh, that's, a country is officially born Uh, and it's, while I did, did, I literally learned this while I was doing (laughs) research for this podcast, I think it's a very proud moment in our history yeah,
0: it's an absolutely proud moment. Uh, technically, this was, it took two years after the war ended um, for the, the Treaty of Paris to be signed. It, honestly, it's it's something that I, I know exists, and I kind of slipped my mind. That's definitely something that needs to be high on the list. And yeah, like you said, that was officially what made the United States of America the nation that still exists today.
1: So we know and love.
0: Yep. Certainly a great moment of the American Revolution, and my number two is one that you already mentioned, so I'm not going to go too much into it. Boston Tea Party. Being from New England, I love Boston. The Boston Tea Party. Uh, you know, you got the the colonists dressing up as Native Americans, middle of the night, uh, sneaking onto the cargo ships and pouring the tea in the Boston Haba. Definitely uh, a big fan of that and you know it was a couple years before the war started but that was that was one of the the big moments where you're really like yeah there's going to be a revolution coming up soon so uh, definitely truly, yeah
1: truly iconic and i believe uh, while we don't americans aren't uh universally in support of every form of protest that happens in our country i believe that this is a precursor to all of them yep. and proof that we are a special country in the way that we're allowed to voice our opinions and demonstrate and be heard uh in boston tea party while it ended up in bloody conflict later uh yeah. shows that's where our ideals were headed
0: yeah and uh something is, uh, yes yeah definitely a top five protests in american history agreed so
1: now Corey, i yep. uh i am happy to see that we had we reached uh a consensus on the number one
0: yes that's the uh, second time now in four top fives where we have the same number one and that was the signing of the declaration of independence yes sir yep so july 4th 1776 john hancock of course the most famous signature on the document it is what officially declared our independence from the tyranny of great britain and this was the point when the war officially became we are fighting for our independence we are our own country we are americans we are not under british rule and And you know it's still celebrated july 4th 4th of july independence day every single year very fun holiday Yes, so.
1: break out the hot dogs, break out the fireworks, and break out every type of clothing you can think of with the American flag printed on it. I absolutely love July 4th, and I, I definitely I understand why, but I also appreciate that we get work off. Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a very important holiday no matter what day of the week it falls on. And um, you can actually go see John Hancock's actual signature. This whole document is still uh, exhibited in the Rotunda at uh the national archives in dc so uh yes a um, bit of history that survives even today which blows my mind because how do they make this paper survive that right
0: oh. especially knowing uh nicholas cage had uh some other plans when it came to uh what was going to happen with that declaration of independence uh of course <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic movie uh two movies with national treasure and national treasure 2 But, yeah, so that's our top five moments of the American Revolution.
1: Now, before we wrap up the podcast, there's a couple of things I want to get off my chest. Uh, We'll start with one that's a little bit less uh, positive, and then we'll finish with one that I really enjoy. So, today Reuben Foster was charged with felony domestic violence. Um, Obviously, this is just a charge. He hasn't been found guilty yet. But yet again, another prominent NFL player is having his career potentially ended, uh, if not just severely set off course by domestic violence. And I know football is a violent game, but it's just so disappointing, especially as a Niners fan, to see a prolific player like Ruben Foster fall into that same pattern that so many players have gone before him uh, with violence. Uh, especially with someone who is his girlfriend who lives with him this was a very intimate person in his life and back at the combine reuben foster was asked to leave after violently threatening a combine nurse i guess uh they have nurses there to do you know, whatever measurements and uh, things regarding your health and the niners were one of the few teams that said this is not an issue this was a miscommunication is a misunderstanding and it turns out that wasn't the case. And Reuben Foster has some serious issues he has to go through. This is not the only legal trouble that Reuben Foster is in. Reuben Foster was has a marijuana charge in the state of Alabama, despite playing for a team that is in a state with legalized marijuana. So uh, truly a troubled individual. And as much as I'd love to see him return to the Niners uh, and, and play football, because, again, he's a very, very talented player, uh, I think that it's important that he gets his life in order, and if that means not playing football anymore,
0: then so be it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very unfortunate situation um, for you as a fan, but Ruben Foster, he, he's facing potential 11 years in prison. So to be looking and thinking of the possibility of him playing football again and turning his life around, he could be behind bars for a very long time with three felony account charges, he was a guy that had some red flags heading into the NFL draft. He fell to number thirty-one to the Niners. You, he's a guy that you you wanted to to hope that he could, you know, turn some of those those uh, red flags off. But this ultimately seems like it's going to be a real, real uh detriment for his life not just his his nfl career and yes you know you, you hope he can turn his life around and that he can he can uh improve from this but it, it definitely does not look good for reuben foster and it's unfortunate that domestic violence continues to be an issue in the nfl uh yes. lots of players constantly being suspended even you know removed from the league with you know, the most famous being ray rice so yes and and His court
1: date is set for April 30th. This is after the draft. The Niners have to make a decision on what his future will be. He currently still is a 49er. Uh, Jaquiski Tart tweeted today, uh, Safety for the 49ers tweeted today in support of Foster, saying he's praying for him. Uh, And Richard Sherman was present at his, uh, I think there was some sort of hearing uh, today. So Richard Sherman already looking to be somewhat of a mentorship role, but if they find him guilty on all charges, football will be the last of his concerns. Um, so definitely something that's affecting me, something I think that is shouldn't still be a problem, but definitely still is a problem in the NFL, uh, and that's truly unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But to take a let's take a look at something on the more positive side. Also today, Asia Wilson of the South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, absolute legend in Columbia, South Carolina, was drafted with a number one overall pick to the Las Vegas Aces. She is a professional basketball player
0: as of today. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Uh, Asia Wilson helped bring South Carolina the national championship in 2017, our senior year there, which was uh, an awesome experience. Um, we got to attend the parade, and we got to see... Lots of uh, Don Staley in person with the, the uh, champ- Final Four championship net around her neck as a necklace. Uh, Asia Wilson, phenomenal basketball player, and it is awesome knowing that she was the number one overall pick. Going to Las Vegas, which is a city that I'm very fond of. You and I went there together Um, back in 2016 it is a a very fun city and I really hope that she can be part of uh, what turns that expansion franchise into a legitimate playoff and hopefully championship contender in the coming years in the WNBA
1: agreed at the very least it's given me a reason to try to seek out WNBA games uh, because if I've learned anything at my at my uh, during my time at University of South Carolina it's that Women's basketball can be awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping to see more of her moving forward. Blake Griffin actually reached out to Asia Wilson. He was informed that Asia's favorite <laughs> basketball player is Blake Griffin. So uh, okay. he sent her a video message saying how proud of her uh, he is and how he's, he'll, he'll be watching as she uh, begins her professional career. So something that uh, really made me happy today seeing that twitter is abuzz with congratulations Mm -hmm. for her and celebrations from the university um
0: so yeah well i I like to end it there on that positive note yeah this that is definitely a very positive note to end things on so uh do you have any final words for our listeners ben
1: uh nba i mean nfl draft in two weeks and uh you know, get ready for that. That's what I'm mostly excited for. Yeah. Besides, obviously, what we talked about this whole time is the NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, we'll definitely be uh, talking more about the draft as it gets closer and, uh, you know, continue to talk about basketball. And, uh, yeah, so we'll we'll keep, keep making these podcasts as long as you keep listening. So thanks, everyone. Yeah, tune in next time. Review us on
1: iTunes. Yeah. <laughs>